Hi, beauties. This is the Beyond Beauty Project with your host, Bridget Burrick-Brown, the show that's redefining the meaning of beauty. Enjoy, and we're so grateful to have you part of the conversation. Hi, beauties. Episode 7 is with the gorgeous and talented Deanna Maluso. Deanna is a New York City native and a New York City-based professional makeup artist. I met Deanna while shooting for InStyle magazine with my daughter, Scarlett. She was the makeup artist on set, and I remember showing up that day feeling like such a tired mom, and she made me feel pretty. I know that might sound silly, but the makeup artist and model connection is really so intimate, and it's intimate even when you don't have time to talk. And we didn't that day because I was super distracted with my daughter. We later connected on Instagram when Deanna reached out about a story she wanted to share to help people. She felt like my platform was the one she wanted to do it on. I feel super honored. She felt safe with me. Both Deanna and I share a collective mission to help the fashion industry become a more positive place. And we both know that by sharing our stories, we can all feel a little less alone. We need more of you in the fashion industry to share yours. Thank you, Deanna, for sharing some of your most intimate details of your journey with me. And now I get to share it with all of you. Enjoy. Hello, everybody. Today I am here with Deanna Maluso to give you a little history on how we met. We were doing a shoot for InStyle magazine. And at the time that we met, we didn't chat about any of what we are going to chat about today. Um, But later we connected on social media and I'm really excited to share Deanna's story with you today. She is here today. She's going to be very brave and vulnerable in sharing her story. So I wanted to start out by thanking you because, you know, sharing our stories with the world, help other people share their stories. And the most important part is that people don't feel alone. So Thank you for being here. How are you? Hi, how are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Are you in New York City? I am in New York City in East Harlem, and it is not the nicest day, but we're going to take it because I think tomorrow is going to be a nice spring day for the first time. Yeah, I think so. I love spring in the city. There's nothing like it. There's really nothing like it. Okay, so we're going to start off with you just kind of diving into your story a little bit. Um, I think a good place to start is just tell us when your eating disorder started. Sure. So um, I have been a bulimic for about probably majority of my life. Um, I started out uh, with bulimia around, I would say 13 um, when I really dived into it. Um, I basically watched a show called different strokes. And from there I learned how to, um, purge and it started out on a holiday dinner, um, Rosh Hashanah. And my mom had this whole array of food out and I was never really a heavy girl, but I always had a little thickness to me that I wanted to go. And it was the nineties and no jeans ever fit me. And it was, um, mm-hmm. it was like, there was like this jeans that everyone was wearing in my high school and I just couldn't get my hips over, you know, I was a curvy girl and it just curves weren't good back then. It was like, nope. the era. it was like the waif era and it just was, you know, bothering me. So one day I was like, that seemed like a good idea to do on the show. And, um, obviously that's not really the reason why, but I just did it. And after I ate, I went to the bathroom and I was wearing umbro shorts and a black top. I know exactly what I was wearing. And it was like, the wow, weird so visual. Um, and then it just happened. Um, but the weirdest thing was when it happened, I felt this like surge and um, it, it just, it was there and it caught, it caught me, got me right in this, the thick of it. And it connected me till my thirties, unfortunately. Um, and that's how it all began from there on. I continued through high school, um, really struggling in high school. I probably didn't really have a high school education because I was so caught up in my eating disorder. Oh, yeah. Um, and it was really, I really bad at school. Cause at that time in the nineties, no one really knew so much about eating disorders. No, and, uh, the obsession of it. So I would sit in class and just write down. I remember vividly taking this social studies class that the teacher would just ramble on about trains or something boring. And I would just literally sit there and count my calories, like every uh, little thing. Yeah. Um, 
And then it just kept on progressing and progressing. And around, um, I guess when I was 16, I went into the hospital. My parents caught, well, my dad caught me, caught something in the toilet, uh, some Fruit Loops. And, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I got put in the hospital the next day. Um, and I did two stints in the hospital, my 11th and 12th grade and missed half of high school. And um, that started my journey through eating disorder recovery from there on. So it's been a long journey. And when you say you got this surge, can you explain Mm -hmm. that to us? Was it almost like a rush? It's a rush, but not like, it's kind of like a, um, I guess I was, there was so much going on in my household at the time. And what what is about eating disorders that people don't understand? It's a kind of, which we'll go into like a mental disease. So if you are having everything that's out of control in your life and you can't really seem to control it, a lot of people or a lot of kids or myself included go into bulimic or, or anorexia, but bulimia is about control. So mm. um, at that moment, I felt like this is something that I could control. I could eat whatever I want, you know, not have to worry about gaining weight you know, that clicks in, but it's really not about that. That's just the surface of it. It's about control. But in my head, it was all about, oh, this is the best thing ever. I could eat ice cream. I could, you know, do whatever I could, and I could lose weight. Yeah. Um, And the surge from that was basically the rush, the high, the, um, the energy I got from it, knowing that, you know, or like, maybe you feel kind of powerful too. Oh yeah. This is, something I can control. Like, so it makes me feel powerful. Right. Well, at first you don't, because you're just like, Oh, this is, it's like a mess. You know, you're just like, you know, you're like not know what you're doing, but when you, unfortunately, when you start getting good at it, which I mastered it, um, Mm -hmm. it is a power surge. You feel powerful. You feel godly. And I hate to say that word, but you do, you feel like I could do whatever I want to mess with me. You know, this is who I Mm -hmm. am. And it really does take over everything. So that rush from there, you know, makes you addicted. And if, yeah. if you have a personality, um, which I do, then you're addicted to it automatically. So it, like I said, it just hooked me and it, it just got me. And for other people, it could be, you know, something else, but this was my, this was my jam. Yep. So it was the, it was one of the things that made you feel like you were in control of your life in a time, time that not much was. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's why it's mental. Yeah. Um, when did you start working as a makeup artist? Cause I'm curious if being in the fashion industry magnified. So I think fashion didn't magnify it. I think it actually helped me personally get along better with, um, kind of dazing out. So when I do makeup, I daze out in my own world and I'm not thinking about something mm. else, I'm not thinking Aww, about, yeah. about food. So it's your focus is on something. So for me, that's makeup. But what does magnify it, I believe, is seeing things around me in fashion um, that does basically make like people with eating disorders, probably myself, um, kind of hesitate a little bit like, oh, do I want to eat that? Or, you know, maybe I should look like that. Or should I fit into that dress? And then the words going in in a cycle. And that's where you have to stop yourself and say, this is your job. This is that. This is not reality. This is. Yeah. So you really have to block it. Yeah. I mean, I know when I was sort of at the height of my disordered eating, being around other people that had disordered eating, it's like, I could quickly kind of like, I, I almost like quickly knew even if I didn't, maybe I, maybe I didn't really know, but, um, I would get triggered very, I had a couple of roommates. I remember in New York and in Miami, and it was really hard because it was just constantly in my face. Yeah. Yeah. So right. It's, it's hard. So like, basically I feel like being a makeup artist, I'm in front of, you know, I'm not with the models, right. So I'm in front of you. So yeah. I feel like, you know, maybe as the model, you put on a, you know, a certain front too, but also having an eating disorder and knowing people who suffered from anorexia for so long. Um, I noticed that right away. That is you something do. Yeah. I thought. And you know, um, and I've heard girls, you know, unfortunately in the bathroom, you know, this is like Mm. right when when I started, I would see, I would hear that more or see more disordered eating in the beginning of my career. And I do see it now around showtime and, you know, certain things where I'm like, you know, it gets a little hectic for girls. Um, you know, right now, even, you know, 
I would say even non-binary, you know, trans, you know, men, I think it's across the board, um, yeah. you know, a situation right now, but, um, you do see it. And I think it's something someone like me has to just really either if someone's open to about it, I could talk about it, but I have mm-hmm. to just kind of, you know, walk away, take a deep breath, take a couple yeah. more deep breaths, call my agent, call my friends, you know, yeah. just kind of go with it. Um, and you have to handle yourself in a certain way that it doesn't get to you or doesn't trigger you because yeah. in the beginning, a lot of things did trigger me and now I know how to handle it better. Yeah. So you learn over time sort of how to, I guess, quiet the triggers. You learn how to quiet the triggers, but also I feel, um, yes. And time and also meditating, I think really helps me, um, day. Whereas before I never did that. um, So now if I'm going on a set, I'll meditate before positive, you know, just go there, get in my head. So I'm not like, I just know that this is where I am. And if I need to come back to the spot, it's, it's there for me. So if I do get triggered, do you feel like you're enough into your recovery? I would say that if someone's possibly sitting in your chair and you can tell maybe they have anorexia, Mm -hmm. are you, um, less triggered and have more compassion almost? Oh, because now, Yes. Yeah. Cause now when I see girls, I'm like, Oh, I just want to give you a hug, you know, like, yeah, totally. I mean, I think, you know, I think recovery takes a really long time. Yeah. Um, it took me years to figure out everything. And even, you know, at this day and age, sometimes if something really crazy happens around me, I still get that. It's still always, it's always going to be with me, you know, I'm yep. sure Same. You know, it's always there. So you have to always. just quiet it up. And, but I do, I totally want to like, I mean, that's why I want to talk here because I just want to help everyone and know that no, like you're not alone. Like mm-hmm. everyone has an issue, no matter what it is, you know, and this was, happens to be mine or someone else, you know, but you're not, you're not alone. And I think the, about eating disorders is such a, a lonely disease. Yes. You know, I think a lot of people, um, don't want to talk about it or are embarrassed because it's, it's just the way it is. And it's been like that for so long, unfortunately. And it's also so personal that even when you try to sometimes talk about it with someone that's not a professional, they don't, they don't understand. Cause I remember trying to talk to, you know, friends from home or even my mom sometimes. And they would just be like, well, just be, just be grateful kind of like for your body. And I'm like, well, no, and then, and then it's like, you have this like shame that starts and I'm like, well, no, 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 I'm, I am grateful for my body, but you know, I have all this other like horrible mental thoughts. It's interesting. Cause I, um, in my dear body workshop that we were talking about that I did yesterday, I start by saying that since I started my project, I really come to realize that not many of us specifically women, but obviously it goes into all of us that don't have some sort of trauma or PTSD around their body image. Mm -hmm. I just, I haven't found many women that have escaped this yet. Wow. So it's definitely different levels, but even at this workshop yesterday, everyone was like, yes, you know, like I need that. Yeah. hundred percent. Obviously it's different ranges. Curious, like sticking with the industry Obviously we're not in a union, but do you wish that there was more support on set for anyone struggling, but specifically some of the younger girls? Yes. I, I, I think, I think fashion is, um, a little slow with this right now, the best way to put it. Um, I do feel like food now with COVID actually, it does help because everyone gets a meal like Mm -hmm. individual meals. So you're not getting out, but before, um, you sometimes lucky if you ate lunch and if you're anorexic or you're bulimic or whatever your, your jam is, then it's great because you don't have to eat. And then you're just feeding that person their, their disease more, you know, you're not making a priority to, for people to take a minute to relax and sit down and eat. Mm. But also there is no union. So there's no HR. There's no one that you could talk to in case you have a problem on set 
or you do get triggered, unfortunately, if that piece of clothing doesn't fit you the right way, you don't know if that it girl bothers that girl that they have to cut the back of that or, you know, whatever is going on. Oh yeah. It does bother I, you. I'm sure, it you know, typically I, very much bothers you. <laughs> I could, yeah. And that's something that I think is a hard part of working in the industry. When you see, like, when you look at these clothes now compared to when, you know, when you were modeling, right. And you had a size zero size zero now yeah. is like, size, like the tiniest size. I don't even yeah. know. So it just seems so um, unrealistic for most women to reach that level of zero, you know, especially totally. for men and just the, you know, like if this girl does it, then I have to be like the competition, you know, to be that size to go walk that runway is I can't even imagine, you know? Oh yeah. And just the comparing, the constant comparing and never feel, or, oh, I think you always feel like you could be better. You yeah. never feel like you're good enough. You're always just like, oh, I could be a little bit better. I could be a little bit skinnier like her. I could be a little bit taller. So there's that constant. There's no contentment, mm -hmm. which I think also feeds. It's interesting when you were saying about the food thing. It's like, if you don't get fed lunch on sets, it's like great, right? For right. if you have anorexia, but then it, you think of the people, because there's so many people also that are in the recovery stages that are in the industry and they're like, feed me lunch because like, yeah. I'm supposed to eat my lunch now. So there's that as well. Okay. I want to get into your recovery. Um, but I want to circle back for one second. Cause I think you said something really cool about how the industry, it sounds almost like the industry there was like, it's like 50, 50, almost like there are some triggering parts, but then there's like this beautiful part of you, you're doing your arts and mm -hmm. it's like, probably takes you away to another place and you're super passionate about it. Um, was that, I guess we'll go into your recovery with that. Like, was that sure. part of your recovery is finding that yeah. as well? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Tell yeah. us. So, um, during my recovery, um, I was, I mean, to be honest with you, um, my growing up was a bit crazy. I had a, you know, dysfunctional family, like, you know, majority of America. Yes. Um, but at the time it was, it was pretty hectic. So, um, how did I escape was music and looking at magazines. Um, mm -hmm. one day I opened a magazine. It was a surface magazine. I don't know if you remember. And yes. it had like, I feel like, I don't know who's on the cover, but it was awesome. And I, I feel like it was like, when I'm naming makeup artist, Doran Gare did like this amazing, like silver thing. And, I was like, what? And this is like, right when makeup, like Kevin O'Quan, it was just like the boom. And I was like, this is cool. And then, um, I was always into the arts. My grew up around fashion and everything. And that also got me. And I, then from there, I just started reading and like got Kevin O'Quan book and I got this book yep. and I just, that's how I escaped. That's what kind of saved me. Um, by focusing on something else because recovery for me in my household was, pretty much the hardest thing I ever had to do. Um, my parents were getting a divorce at the time. My dad's a recovering alcoholic. Um, and, uh, it was, it was pretty crazy. So that's really what got me going, um, going to meetings and also going into the hospital in and out was part of my journey as well. But I think this was really what got me escaping instead of going to binging and purging. I escaped with art. You so almost like crowded out the eating yes. disorder with the something you were passionate about and you could escape with. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I always say that, like, I mean, I think about this a lot with kids now because I'm a mom, mm -hmm. but I know I also had a very dysfunctional family and um, I was a big dancer. Okay. And I, I mean, you, I like have written my dance teacher, like love letters. Like, thank you. Because I know that if I didn't have that to escape into, who knows where I would be? You know, I think it's so important wow. to have that passion to, to escape. Did you have a moment? Okay. So you have your, you have your art. Mm -hmm. Did you also have a moment where you were sort of like, shit, I need to look, I need to stop doing this or I'm going to go down a bad road. Yes. I had, I mean, several moments in my life where I've been like, crap I am like totally not gonna like I didn't think I was gonna make it at one point um recovering 
um, just because I just wasn't grasping anything. So I was in a hospital with a bunch of, you know, girls at the time. And we, I pretty much hung out with everyone who was bulimic and met amazing people at the hospital who I'm still friends with to this day. But long story short, my counsel pulled me over and she's like, do you want to recover? And I was like, I'm fine. You know, like I was just like that kind of girl. I was like, it's going to be okay. She was like, no, like at, unfortunately, before I went to the hospital, I was able to throw up on my own with my stomach. So I could just push my stomach and out would like, that's how progressive it got. Okay. I didn't even Uh, know that you could do that. Yeah. It was, you know, it was just bad. So she pulled me over and she did this weird therapy. That's probably not acceptable to this day, but, um, basically put my head in a toilet, opened up the toilet and flushed each year down. So she would be like 17, 18, 19, and you're dead. And I would be like, what? And I just, it was so like messed me up in my head that that moment on, I just realized I didn't want to die. I didn't want to do this anymore. And I just, and I kind of like put the work in. And from then on, I just kind of literally ate an apple and cream cheese because I was so afraid of fat at the time. Because remember there was like that no fat era. No fat, yep. So I was afraid to eat fat. So I was just like, but on the other hand, I was gaining weight from all the purging and sugar I was eating. But Uh, that was connecting, you know? So, um, and I was using laxatives. I was just, you know, I was in it. Yeah. Um, diet so pills. She, yep. Every, every, everything. So, I did a lot of diet pills, diet pills, but it was mostly, it was a laxative that really, it was like laxatives and that, but it was just a point where it was just like, I, nothing was in my body. So it was a lot of, which you don't, when you're bulimic, you gain a lot of water weight, which people don't mm. realize. Yeah. Um, so from, from everything you're doing and, um, it's, it's difficult, but she did save me. I did start recovering. And then I had a relapse the next year, um, unfortunately, and uh, kind of realized myself I needed help. So okay. I took that initiative instead of like someone finding me. I was like, you know what? I'm back in it again. Um, with eating disorders, though, at the time, and even now, it's not considered a mental disease. It's considered a, like, I would say, a, I don't know what other words to use, superficial. No one in the 90s really got that it was a really serious disease. Yeah. So wouldn't really cover a long stay at the hospital or any outpatient programs. So a lot of the times you would have to go to outside meetings that were free, like or anonymous, or um, I guess that was like, they had anorexia bulimia meetings, but it was just, you kind of learned from them at the time. Didn't really help. Now there's a lot more out there. Um, So I did my second stint in the hospital, recovered, graduated by, I don't know how, I think I got a favor. I don't, it should probably definitely shouldn't have graduated high school. Um, okay. Yeah. It was just like, I didn't care about school. Nothing. When you when also, when you're in an eating disorder, you don't care about anything besides that. Right. Besides that. So I like, since I was so involved, I just, um, all I cared about was my food, my music and my art and how can I get away from my family? I didn't, it didn't live at home anymore at the time. So it was just like, it was just everything everywhere. So when I recovered the second time I did put in the work, I, you know, graduated and I was excited and moved on. And then, um, unfortunately I had another relapse and this is where I woke up. This is where it hit me. I was and yeah. just as, how old are you now? Just Sorry, so we now? can, we can have like, a t- like, tell us your first stint, your second, and now how old you are. So, so we have a little bit of a timeline. So 13. I started, um, okay my first stint in the hospital a year later at 17 second stint in the hospital. Okay. And you put yourself in the second time. Yeah. My parents had to sign me in, but I told them that, but you told them, okay. Yep. Told them. So at least I was self-aware now I learned something. Yeah. And then my third stint was around 18 to 19. And so another year later, um, and this is where I progressed even more was throwing up even more, um, found something called Epicac, which is disgusting. Um, I don't know if you know what that is. No, it's basically like you just drink a substance and it makes you purge. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That was just like everything. Like uh, I was so, I I guess the word is angry at the time. Very angry. Um, what was happening around me and that I couldn't get this like figured out, um, that I really got bad. Um, so at the time I was also going out a lot and partying, it was like the limelight and yeah. palladium. And I was just yep. like about totally. doing 
Yeah. Doing other things. I think we're the same age. I get it. I get it. So I was like in everything and my friend came over and I just like opened the door and I just dropped like literally like fell. I fainted and, um, my mom knew what was going on and she was like, you're going to the hospital. And I was no, you know, no. And, um, the guy at the hospital was like, you need to, you know, stay. And I was like, no, no, I will recover. I was like, I'm not doing this again. And I made myself recover. Um, but unfortunately, (laughs) so I recovered, I wasn't throwing up as much. I recovered for about, um, probably two years without throwing up. And then, um, I started getting into makeup and I just, again, things were so chaotic and was really broke. I had like, I was eating eggs and peanut butter and jelly every day, trying to make it, you know, and and I would just, when I got, when things got too stressed for me, I would start purging. Not a lot, but I would, it would just always be there. It was always, it was always there. So this easily accessible, right? Yeah. Like I just knew it. If something bothered me or I just ate too much, went to the bathroom and that's how I lived my life through my twenties. Yeah. Um, throughout my twenties, I did that. And then I was living in a story at the time. I moved into New York city in the East village around like 25, I guess, maybe 26. I don't know, around in my mid twenties and, um, no 20, I'm sorry. So it's like 26. And then, so 26, I made myself say like, okay, moving into the city or big girl. Now you're done. I closed the book. That was the last time I threw up. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So maybe um, I think my timeline, hold on. Let me just think of my timeline for a second. So maybe 27, 28, sorry. So yeah. Cause 30, I moved it. So 27, yeah. 28 was my last time. Um, so you sort of like gradually led up to it and that yeah. where you could finally be like enough. I mean, I think it's good for people to hear the timeline because okay you were let you relapsed, you I know, relapsed. and you're here today and you're in your recovery, you know, and that's awesome. Yeah. But I have to say like going through, I think my emotions of recovery like this was something I personally had to go through and yeah. I learned a lot. Like I'm so self-aware now of everything that it's scary that I, I just, yeah. you know, involve myself in books. And I, I read all the time about, you know, how to, better yourself with trauma and like love and all these things. It's a constant, constant work, you know, and it's always going to be here. Yeah. And sticking with like sort of the missing link with eating disorders. Um, do you feel like that's why you're working on the trauma and stuff now? Cause you're sort of like, you know, that it didn't, it wasn't just something you were doing. It came from something going on. And so tell us about that a little bit. I mean, I think the missing link in eating disorders is one, and it's a mental disease, which I don't think is uh, accepted in society still. So yeah. I feel like that's number one. Also, um, I Bummer. think people don't realize it's the obsession that mm. you constant, like if I could quiet my mind for once with food, it's like the best thing ever. I'm not sure if I told you this story, but when I was in Bali for my honeymoon, we went to like this, um, this healing center, like meditation place. And there were these spouts and there was like, maybe like eight spouts all together. And the guru was like, what would you just tell the each spout? What would you like to wish for? So I, in each one, I said free from eating and peaceful mind. And then mm-hmm. like nothing was happening. And then all like, it was me. And then like, maybe towards like the fifth spout, I literally felt this like wave of like calmness mm-hmm. and like I, I don't know if I was in Bali, but whatever my, um, I had calmness and a quiet brain for the whole rest of the trip. Aww. And for the first time it was like, it was like, oh my God, it was amazing that I just felt this. So basically I think a missing link is obsession, you know, about not realizing that eating disorders is a disease. It's, yeah. I'm gonna say that it's a, literally, and that's what is not known. People just think it's something about weight loss. Yeah. It should be much more included in the mental health crisis. It definitely should. And I think hopefully now that people are coming out with more stories, I think it will hopefully get there. But I think the more people speak about it, like myself, then, you know, it will, people will start better. We hope. 
And when did you start meditating? Cause you said that that was a big part of your, or is a big part of your recovery. Um, probably about like two years ago, I would be like, I'm going to meditate, you know, but now I meditate every morning. So probably for the past, since COVID, I've been really in it. I found yoga, which really helps, um, cuddling and meditation and, and that just kind of wakes me up. Like, Uh it's like, get out of your head and like, this is who you are. And it's not like, I can't sit there and be like, Oh, you know, not that person. Yeah. So I think the Kudalini for me was the way I wanted to go. And that has really got me energized. And um, also there is hypnotherapy, which really helps, um, which is a lot of people use with eating disorders and trauma. Um, and I don't know if you want to, I could tell you about it after. It's yeah. just like, basically, tell us about it. It's basically like if you have, if your stomach gets really tight and you're like, and you feel that urge or whatever, it's like calm breathing it's like breathing at like literally to 10 and holding your breath and before and then letting out and it's someone guiding you to breathe so I have a person Mm -hmm. I used to go to who helped me kind of get my breath together because I didn't I was such in a fight or flight mode my whole life yeah so this is where I also go if I'm having a panic even on set I'll just start doing the hypnotherapy I'll just be like and that's what you can do when you're around people, no one will know some of the breathing. Yeah. So is the hypno, like, do you go to a practitioner? So, um, around three years ago, I found someone who would help me out with this. And she gave me like a little, um, recording, the recording daily. And it's basically just to calm calm your system, your nervous system down because once it gets hyped up, then, um, you're kind of like, well, and when our nervous system gets hyped up, we're not present anymore. And right. then when you're not present, it's so easy to go to any addiction, right? Exactly. Okay. So I want to stick with your recovery a little bit more. So you went to, you did these like stints in the hospital. Mm-hmm. When you didn't have that support, what were you doing outside in the, the regular world? Like, what can you, what would you say was the most helpful for you? talking to my friends at the time, they were like my huge support group. And I like, I could cry because they were just so awesome. But um, yeah, I'm sorry. It was like, friends but they, the really, they were, they're like my family, but um, let me get my, my, my speech. But I think having a support group really was the best thing for you. You know, um, writing also really helped me at the time. And I still write in a diary. So I yes. think writing um, for anybody, I think is also like the best thing, but for eating disorders, I think, or anyone with mental um, issues about food or anything else, I think it's just good to clear your head in the morning. Just even if yes. it's like just a grateful list or whatever it is, it just really gets you going. And you're like, yes, because- I, I do girl. I do the same thing <laughs> every morning. Yes. <laughs> it's like, if and- I don't do that, like journal, even if it's like, I get two minutes in before my daughter runs downstairs. It just, okay. It's like, a, it's like a mental brain dump that I'm like, okay. Um, I also like, I feel like when you teared up about your friends, like that's how I feel about with my friends are just, Oh, like angels. Like I, I, there's some things I know, like, I don't know, like would I have gotten through them without them. I don't know. That's how important they were. And, um, do you feel like with, Okay. So I I'll share this. Like I had a moment in my life where I felt, I felt suicidal. Like I was really like, um, like planning it in my head. And it was just, it was too, it was too common. Like it was going on too much. And I finally, like, I didn't want to tell my husband cause I knew he'd be scared. I didn't even mm-hmm. want to tell like really my therapist because I was almost like weirdly embarrassed but it kept happening. And so I knew I needed to tell someone. So I ended up texting two of my best, best friends from home. And I just wrote, I feel suicidal. I know I'm supposed to tell someone. So I'm telling you and in like telling, like texting them that I remember being like, okay, send, you know? And then it just, it was like, once I almost said it, then I like could keep saying it. Wow. And, um, did you feel like that though, with your eating disorder a little bit, like once you could be like really honest about it, that that's well, when the healing kind of could start in a way. Well, thank you for sharing that with me, by the way. And everyone oh. it's amazing for you to do that. Um, I do, I do feel like 
you know, once you put it out there and you, you're truthful about it, um, because, you know, us, us addicts and diseases just want to stay in it. So if you really get out of that and say, you really want to, you know, someone to know what's really going on, then your friends will help. Yeah. If you got some good friends, you know, they'll stick by yeah. you and be like, uh, be like, no, you're better than that, you know, or yeah. Yeah. No. And, um, it's funny. Cause now they call me up and ask me for advice on certain things with their daughter, <laughs> so, like, you know, and it's just like, here's my friend. She knows exactly what to do. You know, I, we, we all been through a lot. I've been through a lot, you know, and I, my journey taught me so much and my friends and everything through that all. And like, if it wasn't for them, I don't even know, like I probably would have been a little lost puppy my whole life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Same girl, same. My friends, uh, um, do you feel like you'll ever, do you see yourself ever going into some sort of like, um, I don't know, coaching or I don't know what a better word is, but like helping young girls with eating disorders. I can totally see you doing that. I would love to. I just don't know where exactly I want to take this, but, um, or take where my knowledge is. I just know that I would love to help anyone who is in need of help. And I feel like since I've been through like every kind of eating pattern there is, like, I just know my knowledge is pretty much there to help now. Um, So whatever that takes me, we'll see, but you know. Yeah. I mean, your experience and your recovery is invaluable for, for people, you know, and that's why I'm so grateful you're here sharing this because it's just, yeah, I love, I love hearing people that have recovered, you know? Okay. We're going to dive a little bit more into the advertising world before we finish up. Beauty is being so morphed through filters, retouching. What are your thoughts on this with sort of even like body dysmorphia? Well, I think that's a loaded question right now. It's a big question. I think everyone has on the table, but, um, so for retouching for photos only like getting a zit out or, you know, helping the makeup or fixing the hair, totally acceptable. Great. No problem. Yes. But then we start long, elongating girls' bodies. And, you know, you had that tool where you, you know, oh, we could fix the hip there or, you know, all of a sudden you're like, who is this girl I shot or anything else to minimize any weight that we don't want to see. Um, then I think is not good. Um, yeah, agree. I don't want to see that, you know, I definitely with the elongation too, which really messes with people you know, like someone, yeah. and I don't know if people know that out there, but fashion, a lot of people like, you know, make people taller and thinner and, um, you know, there's all these tools you could use. So I think it really messes with people's, you know, it can mess with your head. Um, and I think body dysmorphia is such a big thing right now. Um, that it's, um, it's quite scary, you know? Yeah. It's really wild too, because you think if they're taking these girls and elongating them, you're almost, we're almost seeing these images that aren't even any person that exists in the world. So it's kind of, it's really wild if you like break it all down. Exactly. Um, it's a meta universe that we're going to go into. It's like, everyone's going to be like, you know, I don't want to see that. Yeah, no, it's so I wild. Mean, I mean, flipping, going to the opposite. Are you appreciating the influx of real people in advertising? Yeah, I think, I think fashion goes from black to white. It's like, we're going to do this one way. And we're going to do this one way. So it's like, I would like to see like a medium ground, like, you know, yes. like real people. I really do. But then we have real people and then models and it's just like a lot, yeah. which is great. They're, everyone's trying to find the, the ground. What I would like to see, which I think we discussed too, is more everything. I want to see everybody. I yeah. want to see the 12. I want to see the, you know, I want to see the whole shebang. And yeah. I don't want to, you know, I feel like people are really trying right now and it's a little, um, it's kind of all over the place. Yeah. Well, I was saying like when we also got in, there was like, um, Claudia Schiffer and Cindy Crawford and they had, you know, some curves and bodies. So I feel like then it progressed into like, or that was like the wave era. So we kind of have those like ups and flows and stuff. And now I just feel like no one knows where to go. So we have a whole bunch of everything. So it's just a lot going on right now. And it's kind of like a big salad. We're just going to throw this, 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 and then see if it works. It's so true. Um, What happens, what gravitates, but I, I, they, 
if fashion thought about things more, um, you know, which they're trying, there is like, but it's like, I feel like, how is a person in um, Ohio going to relate or, you know, maybe in Europe and, you know, wherever, you know, and how, how, so I think that's what everyone's trying to find the answer. How, how is this all going to relate to everybody right now? Yeah. What do you think about all the filters? I mean, we kind of touched on this with the retouching, but like all the filters and on tick, like TikTok's a situation. Well, TikTok and, and Instagram just came out with this, you know, if you're having any triggers or whatever, I think they got a letter saying like, you know, we're, we're here for you basically. Like, or I feel like oh, I read an article. I don't know what it was, but, um, I, I do think the body dysmorphia with the filters is, is, um, it's too much. It's not, yeah. it's not help. So that's what I'm saying with a lot of my friends right now. I don't know, like, you know, if you have a, a young, a teenager right now and they have, uh, you know, an acne face or, you know, they have like a little bit of acne, whatever, you know, or their hair yeah. is not thin or it's not straight or it's whatever, but they could use this filter that will help them be like this five other of their friends, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. They're not going to go home and look in that mirror and say, I'm pretty. That filter yeah. is pretty. So I don't think that's helping anybody, you know, including myself. If I look at, you know, me at an Instagram filter, I'm like, Ooh, look, I look so pretty. Right. But it's not real. And for someone like me, I stay away from those because then I'm like, get caught up in that whole world. And I don't, yeah. but um, I mean, that starts early too, because my daughter's seven and it's okay. already like, let me look at that photo mom that you took. Oh, delete that. And I'm like, where are you getting that from? Oh, yeah. It's there, just, it's, it's right so there, right? around us that it's just, yeah. And I think, sorry. I think like the reason why I got into fashion too was a mystery of everything, you know, like how does this all happen and like how they get so glamorous and like, you know, you see the real, like in the eighties, you would see a little smudge and I love, I love all that, you know, yeah. it was, it was awesome. And it was like, Oh, you just want to taste it. And like, but now I'm like, it's yes. just everything. Perfect. I remember so, when we moved to digital and I was really bummed. I was like, no, are you? it's like, yeah, I was, I was bummed. I loved like the whole Polaroid and film yeah. and looking at the contact sheets and ugh, writing on it with that crayon with thing. Yeah. Oh, it was like, it was- I have so many old Polaroids and you have to wait for the oh, Polaroids and like, yeah, yeah. I, I do miss that. And I, it's nice because I went into fashion, right. When it was like, I got the experience, everything I had the film and I got the start of digital. So I saw yeah. it all it the time in, but, um, even now it's like film is back. Like a lot of photographers are using film again. Cool. Um, so it's nice, but like, there is that mystery of that film, that greediness. And like, you see, you know, oh, it's just so awesome. Like going through and, and it's real. Yeah. You can't change things with film. No. And you're I not think retouching, that's- you're not elongating, you're not even tweaking like lighting or, you know, yeah, it's cool. Okay. I know you really want to bring more positivity to the fashion industry. Mm-hmm. What does that mean to you exactly? So I think bring positivity in the fashion industry is um, kind of what I'm doing right now is just basically bringing awareness to um eating disorders and how you don't have to be a size zero to be happy and love your life and be able to work in fashion without feeling the pressure of, of it. I hope that, and I would like to bring positive body image in in the industry if possible. Yeah. I mean, I guess it goes back to the very beginning of this conversation. It's like sharing our stories, right? Like people speaking out and just starting to talk. I feel like just having conversations is important right now. And that's like an easy, simple way that we can start. The fashion industry needs to start talking a little more. I think. I think fashion is starting and we're here today talking, but I think if there was even more of the talking and awareness would be um, a way that might make everyone happier on set. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think we can do as artists to help and support one another on these subjects? listening. 
Like, yeah, I feel um, a lot of people have a lot to say, but they don't really listen sometimes. And sometimes I feel like someone just wants to talk and you just, all you do is listen and just give yeah. a hug. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. You know? li- listen and be present for someone else. I love that. Okay. Are you ready for my beyond beauty round? Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Question number one. Um, what does beauty mean to you? Uh, beauty means to me, um, being true to yourself as authentic as you can. So if I was to ask you, how would you define beauty? Would you say just be you? authentic? Yeah. Be you. I love it. Okay. What is something you are inspired by? Um, something I would say, uh, someone I would say, but something would be the ocean. I just get so much inspiration Ugh, from the ocean. Same. Uh, yeah. I just can't like me, my husband want to move to, like, I just, I kind of need to be by it. It just gives me so much like inspiration and life, um, and everything else on top of that, but it makes me breathe as well. Yeah. There's something about it. I'm the same. I just look out there and I'm like, I feel like anything is possible when I look at the ocean. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's free. It's free. free. And it's like, (laughs) I love when you can't see any land. That's when I really like. (laughs) Okay. Before my last question, I have to get some of your, um, professional makeup and hair tips. Mm -hmm. What is your number one skincare tip? Oh my God, this is killing me. You were like, I saw this question. I was like, that's such a hard thing to break. <laughs> um, but my <laughs> one skincare tip, I guess, would be make sure you take off your makeup at night. Like I know it's yes. so simple, but that's like legitly going to save everything. Also um, hydrate from with it, like drink water, make sure you eat well. Skincare won't be good unless you're eating healthy. Um, yep. and that is from my knowledge because when I did suffer, I had the worst skin ever. And now my skin is great, you know? So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you eat well, um, there is a product I do love, um, that I can't live without, which I was thinking what it would be. I would say P50, um, it would be my favorite. Um, if people don't know what it is. I can't really pronounce the word, so I'm not going to say it, but it's BR. <laughs> you could look it up, but, um, well, we're going to post your favorite products. Okay. Oh, great. Perfect. So, I'll so just- you can add that in. Yeah. Okay. Um, I love the taking your makeup off at night. It is a big one. It's funny. I mean, I can come home exhausted or I've had a couple too many drinks and like, I will take that makeup off. Like there's no, not like taking the makeup off ever or, the, or even just like the dirt from the day. Um, I mean, you know, a little eye makeup in the morning, I won't lie is like, I love that, but like, it's totally, and it's like the worst thing ever. So. I, I mean, if I like haven't washed eye makeup off good and I wake up with that, I'm like, okay, my skin's clean, but I got a little like yeah, sexy eye in the morning. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Um, favorite hair tip, favorite hair tip for my hair for, for curl for curls. Um, make sure you have a lot of leave-in conditioner in it. Mm, okay. Yeah. And is there one you love? You'll share it with us. I, do you love, I'll give you my, my favorite. I'm a, I'm a moose eighties girl. So I love a big moose moment, Love it. but also, um, scalp. I wish I just found out about a couple of years ago is make sure your scalp was clean. Yeah. <laughs> That's my no. hair too. I was like, Ooh. yeah, I didn't know that either. I was like, who would have known? Um, yeah. but you got to take care of your scalp skin as well. Okay. Do you have a favorite makeup tip? That is probably a hard one too. That was a tough to one to do uh, just one. Oh God, I would do a couple. I'll do a couple, but my favorite one I do on everybody is a tight line with black eyeliner or brown liner and your lash line. So, so like underneath kind of exactly, or just your lash line. So you just like dip your lash. I mean, your brush in your lash line and kind of like dot it in. So it's, you're not wearing mascara and it kind of gets a little muted. So I don't wear makeup actually as a makeup artist, but I do like a little tight line once in a while. Um, mm. if I want to pop my eyes out, um, my second, my favorite also tip is moisturizer with, um, a concealer. So I mix that together. So it doesn't look like you're wearing any foundation or love that. Ooh, I love that. By the way, you gave me the best facial massage. Oh yeah. I'm all about that. Yeah. 
Oh my God. I, and I remember I was like very puffy <laughs> that morning. I was like, girl, help me. And I like had just met you. And I remember you're like doing something and all of a sudden you're like, and I was like, yes, I needed her today. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Before your makeup also like the prepping is like a, such a big thing. Okay. Are you ready for your final question? Mm-hmm. If you could go back in time and tell your younger self something, what would you tell her? What would you tell little Deanna? I would say, believe in yourself. It's going to be okay. And go mm-hmm. to school. <laughs> go to school. <laughs> go to school, people. I love it. Oh my God. Thank you so much for being here, sharing your story, being vulnerable and um, wanting to help people. Thank you oh, so much. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you. And this was great. And I had such a nice time telling you my story. And I love everyone out there. And please just stay safe and have a peaceful mind and keep up the work. Yeah, absolutely. Tell my listeners where they can find you. You could find me on my Instagram, Deanna Maluso. um, And you could also find me and my work at um, latelier.com, latelierneworkcity.com. I'll give you that information as well. Okay. Awesome. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining another Beyond Beauty Project conversation. Let's continue to support each other with kindness, empowered voices, and self-love. Visit us at www.beyondbeautyproject.com where you can find all of our socials. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And listen, Bridget would love to hear from you. Don't be shy. So send us a DM or an email with your thoughts and what you want to hear about. See you beauties next time. This podcast episode is designed to be for informational and discussion purposes only. I am not a doctor and I'm not trained as a medical provider or counselor. I do not provide medical care or attempt to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any physical ailment or any mental or emotional issue, disease, or condition on this podcast. Always seek the advice of your own physician or other qualified healthcare providers with any questions you may have regarding your personal medical condition. Do not disregard recommended medical advice or treatment or delay in seeking professional medical advice because of information or content obtained from this podcast. If you have or suspect that you have a medical or mental health issue, please contact your own health care provider promptly. For urgent medical needs, please contact your health care provider or call 911 immediately.